They're blowing off steam. They're having a great time. And you cannot be Debbie Downer like, hey, dude, you can't do that in my house, you know. So that's the hard part for me is like, do you think that this is a personality fit? That's much more to me. Running the numbers is not as big a deal because it will make dough. It's can I deal with the, the questions and these Karens, for lack of a better term, because everybody on vacation tends to bring their Karen out. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to Weiss Advice. I am your host, as always, Yona Weiss. And today I have a very special guest with us, Luke Carl. How are you doing, my friend? Man, never better. Never better, brother. It's a pleasure. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, thanks for asking. It's 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 tremendous. I mean, you you said it before. <laughs> you never imagined like how life could be this good. And the truth is, it's all about perspective, right? It's all about perspective. If you love life and you enjoy waking up in the morning and doing what you do, then every day is a blessing. And you really, you know, every day couldn't be better. I agree. I am uh, definitely in that boat. I haven't always been in that boat, but, uh, you know, uh, I I feel like if you just have that vibe, that that mindset that you just mentioned, like, hey, man, you know, things could be a lot worse. Why focus on the negatives? 100%. 100%. You can always you can always focus on there's no shortage of focusing on the negatives if you want to, right? <laughs> I mean, you could can literally I just heard an analogy today and I like to give a little introduction and give a little bio but to our guests before we before we get started. So I'll tell that an analogy for a second, but the analogy is just like someone said, you know, we're like every person's like a garbage truck in a way. And you know, and some people you know, either your garbage truck you, you you get baggage like stuff comes your way and you know, some people they just overflow at a certain point and all the garbage like dumps out on other people or dumps out on themselves. But some people, they can just take it, filter it in. It goes through, you know, just like you eat something. You don't focus on what's coming out the other end. You take the good, right? You process it and move on. You know, it's fuel. And, um, but some people, they're, they're just filled with the garbage and, and, and like to, uh, unfortunately, it, it spills out on the rest of their lives and other people as well, the negativity. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Anyways, I just heard it today. So I figured it'd be um, a good way to to start this. Who's Luke Carl? I mean, Luke is the, and I'll let you give a little background on yourself, but he's the, you know, founder, co-founder of Short Term Shop, which is an incredible, uh, and we just interviewed his wife, Avery. So check out that episode. It's probably going to air before this one because we just interviewed her last week. They are a short-term rental brokerage and they focusing on the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee and uh, a couple other markets in Panhandle, Florida, and some other vacation markets, slowly moving into other places. And he's a big advocate. I mean, you've done a lot of things in real estate over the years, but a big advocate for these uh, short-term rentals, Airbnb and all that good stuff. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that. But before we get to that, I mean, you're also, you know, sometimes you compliment someone like, wow, Yen, you're awesome. You're a rock star, right? But you really are a rock star. <laughs> and you got the look for it too. Tell me about that, your uh, your background in music. Yeah, yeah, not, definitely not a rock star. <laughs> no. uh, but I, I'm a radio guy. I've been on the radio for a long time with uh, Sirius XM. So that's been my long dream job. 
And I still do that to this day. I'm on uh, two different rock and roll and heavy metal channels, uh, Long Hair Luke. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm a, just always been a rock and roller and uh, always, you know, had muscle cars and Harleys. And uh, Avery's the same way. She's a rock and roller. I met her at a rock and roll show. But yeah, so that's a, definitely a huge part of my life. I love rock and roll. And at a certain point, we kind of just got into this real estate thing about uh, 10, I think about nine years ago, we bought our first property. And then, yeah, so we we ended up in this short-term rental space. And I don't even really know how it happened. Uh, I mean, long story long, <laughs> uh, we we were living in, in Middle East Tennessee at the time. We Okay, so we met in New York City and I lived there for a long time. And, you know, I met this awesome Southern girl from uh, Mississippi and she kind of wanted to move, you know, like a little closer to home. Mm -hmm. So I said, all right, let's go. And so, you know, we both like big cities, at least at the time anyway. And we landed in in, outside of Nashville. And so that was really kind of what started it for me. And actually going back even further than that, I in my New York City days, I uh, I found an apartment on Craigslist in like, I don't know, 2005 or something. And I moved into this apartment and, and, uh, about six months later, my roommate who had the lease moved out and she said, you know, the landlord's really cool. They're not even going to come over here. I've lived in this house for like 12 years. They don't care about anything. They will let you take over this house if you want it. And I was like, okay, I don't really want to move. So I went down to the landlord's office, which was like around the corner in Brooklyn. And she said, yeah, here, just sign this lease. No problem. So when I did that, I found out how much the actual rent was versus what I was paying my roommate. Mm. And and I learned the New York City way Uh uh, that day. And I was a young guy. I was probably like 23. And all of a sudden I said to myself, okay, now I found out what the real rent is versus what I was paying before. And now I have a room that is available. Mm-hmm. And the landlord's not going to come look. So I uh, this was a one bedroom. Uh, it was basically a railroad, but the but the front door was in the middle, so you could go either direction. I gotcha. Okay. And you walk into the kitchen, right? Well, actually, overlooked the water. You could see the Statue of Liberty it was beautiful. It was definitely not a beautiful apartment, but the uh, the setting was nice. And I said, you know what? Uh, my roommate used to live in that room with a curtain. And I said, I'm going to build a wall. I grew up uh, in, in a con. My dad was a contractor. My grandfather, uh, my, you know, uh, uh, kind of a shade tree contractor kind of thing. And my grandfather built uh, built some some fast food restaurants and churches and things. Okay. Uh, so I kind of come from that background a little bit. <laughs> so anyway, I said, I'm going to build a damn wall. And I'm going to charge even more than what I, she was charging me for this room. <laughs> And thus begun my landlording career. I had no idea that that's what I was doing at the time because I didn't own the place, you know, and I just thought you you had to kind of own the place. So I uh, I ended up renting out that other room that I paid. I was paying like 300 bucks a month in New York City and it was great. And then, okay, so we moved to Nashville and then all of a sudden we're going from a place where it's like, you know, 2 million bucks for 700 square feet to... Not, that'd be a really nice 700 square feet, but you know what I mean. Right, right, right. Somewhere where I can buy an actual house for like nothing compared mm-hmm. to that. So that was what did it for me. Moving from New York to, to Nashville. And at the time, Nashville was cheap. Now Nashville's not cheap anymore. And, and so we bought a house to live in. And we both fell in love instantly with this buying a property process. Right. 
So I, I say in that process, I said, this is for me. And I, and I actually, what I did was I kind of, uh, I, I, I associated with, with the home inspector. I, I bonded with that dude for whatever reason. Okay. So I went, I actually went to home inspector school thinking that that was going to be my house path of some sort. And I didn't, I quickly realized I didn't want to do that, or at least not for money anyway, but that was a nice tool to have in my toolbox, tool belt as my journey progressed. Interesting. Okay. I would self-inspect or whatever, you know? So yeah, anyway, that's a, that's a good, that's a good tool to have. For sure. And I, at the time, I had no idea. You know, I thought I was going to inspect houses for a part-time gig on the side and, you know, but it was, yeah, you're right. It, it ended up working out great. So then we said, you know what, let's save up 20 grand and buy a hundred thousand dollar house to rent to other people. And mm-hmm. we had no, we never read, didn't know rich dad existed. Didn't know nothing about bigger pockets, none of these things. Right. So, but we did it. And I sat down and I did almost back in the day, I hate to say this because I'm not a fan today, but I did almost a Ramsey style thing where I sat down with a calculator and I said, how long do I have to live on how much money to save mm-hmm. 20 grand? And that's what we did. It took 17 months. Wow. Uh, and we lived on $30 one day, $20 the next day for everything. Uh, and, and 17 months later, we had a stack of cash. 20 grand. And we went and bought a hundred thousand dollar house with that money. And thus the real official landlording uh, career began in about 2013. So that house really was the game changing thing in our lives. We still own it. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm really ready to 1031 it because it is skyrocketed. Sure. I mean, Nashville is crazy right now. Very, very, very hot market. So, I mean, you, you jumped in. I mean, it sounds like you came the unconventional way to real estate and landlording. But at a certain point, you realize that, hey, making some money here and passive income more or less. I mean, obviously there's work involved there. You got to collect rent. You got to do some repairs and all that good stuff. But you kind of found your way. And and since then, I mean, I believe you've done a lot of different things within that, whether, you know, from other single family, you know, small multifamily, short-term rentals, which we talked a lot with Avery about, uh, you know, the power of the short-term rentals, which is pretty crazy. Uh, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Pick your brand on that. Cause I know you love to you know, educate the people, especially in your awesome Facebook group, which I dropped over there, the short-term shop group, which is incredible. Highly recommend it. We'll put a link there in this show as well. Anyone interested in short-term rentals, but you know, at what point in your life was it like, Okay, this is what I want to be doing full time. I mean, obviously, you like the radio, you do, you know, rock and roll, doing uh, some other fun stuff, right? But, uh, you know, at what point were you like, oh, yeah, we got to go full time into this? I don't know if that point ever actually came or ever will, but it, it definitely was a situation where, like, you've heard the phrase, if you can't get up, go up, get out. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be true in almost all aspects of any kind of day job, right? So, I realized that there was no way to keep, stop going up in real estate. And I just, I, li- I like everything about it. And it is difficult. You mentioned collecting the rents and, and I did manage uh, our long-term rentals for quite some time. And I eventually turned those over to a property manager, which was a great, great thing to do. Actually. I, I just assumed that, you know, cause I grew up in that, my dad's a, a retired uh, mailman and he's a Vietnam vet. And you, you know, you change your own oil, you swing your own, hammer kind of thing. 
So I, I did that for a long time. And then finding a property manager was a great plan. But let's talk about the short terms, right? So yeah, let's we, bought this house <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> we bought this house in, in, in Nashville. And then all of a sudden, boom, just like you just said, let me explain it this way. This is a better way to put it. We wanted more, right? Uh, we got that first rent check and it was life-changing. And then all of a sudden you start doing some research and you read Rich Dad and, and then the lights start going off. Right. So what's next? Well, I don't want to wait another 17 months. You know, what are we going to do? And, and then also at the same time where we were living had become completely too expensive. So let me put it this way. We bought that house for 122, that first rental, rented it for 1500. And the problem was, is like, not even six months later, the, the exact same house across the street was selling for like two twenty five. Wow. We've gone up like a hundred grand in six months. And then you can't, it's not repeatable. Right. Mm, right. So can't this scale our, No, you can't scale it. We didn't even know what scale was, but we knew that if we bought that house, it wouldn't rent for what, what it needed to, to make money. So Avery grew up in the South and she said, Hey, you know, they got cabins out there in these mountains. Uh, we used to go to the mountains all the time. And I said, well, why have we been sleeping in a tent if they got cabins out there? Uh, <laughs> you know? And so we went and we looked and then we found out you could get it as a second home loan if it's just you're getting one for 10% down. And we were like, well, holy, you know, this is great. Let's do this. So we did. We bought that one. And then next thing you know, that's when the floodgates opened. That one did so well. This was it's still to this day is, I think, technically the first self-managed Airbnb in the in the Smoky Mountain area. There was a couple people doing it before us, but not really, because you got to remember, Airbnb's only been around for nine years, 10 mm-hmm. years. And that part of the world is very behind the times. Right. So nobody was really doing this. So we came out there and we were millennials. And I mean, I'm barely, I'm a millennial by like a day. <laughs> and my wife, Avery, she's, you know, she's only 32. She's young. And so uh, we, we kind of had this new hip, you know, like iPhone vibe. And so we put this thing on, we bought this thing with a 10% down, which we were like, how is this even possible? And they said, as long as you don't put a lease on it, you can, you can rent it short term. You just can't give somebody control. Mm -hmm. And we were like, that's exactly what we want to do. Cause we definitely want to go to this house and, and enjoy the mountains, but we would love to put it on Airbnb. So we did, and we were scared to death because nobody was really doing this. We didn't have anybody to help us ask questions. And that's mm-hmm. how the short-term stop was born. Next thing from you know, our own mistakes. Exactly. Ready, fire, aim. Yeah. <laughs> we, we ended up buying five of them in the first year, these cabins, which we, we used. Uh, we had a partner because everybody wanted to know what we were doing. How were we doing this? What were we doing? And so we got it. Uh, I met a, I already knew this guy actually. And he had a bunch of short-term rentals elsewhere. And he's like, Oh, I want in. Let's, let's partner on a couple. So we did that. And, and then next thing you know, today, you know, fast forward 10 years or whatever, uh, seven years since then, I guess uh, we've got 40 something, 40 something doors and uh small multi. I'm getting my first a real apartment building right now, which I need you for. And, uh, and, and yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah. So what would other people do? I mean, the Smoky Mountain is a pretty fascinating place. I've never been there personally, but I've seen, I just came across it literally from, from you guys uh, a few months back and just seeing how it's blowing up. And um, what were other people doing? You, you mentioned there have been cabins up there forever, right? People going up to vacation there. What are all those other cabins? Are they just like people renting them out? Or were they before taken over as Airbnbs? Were they just like 
people kind of renting them on Craigslist or whatever, or, or were they long-term rentals? I mean, what, what was going on up there before you guys came? It was the same as it is now. It just wasn't as modern. And, and honestly, still to this day, okay, so almost everything out there. And if you've never been, it is a really weird part of the world. Uh, it's a very small area, and there are just millions of tourists there constantly. Uh, and nobody lives there. So it's a, it's a kind of a weird, and that's the only, the short-term shop only operates in places where nobody lives, but tons of people go on vacation because in short-term rental, you do have to be concerned with regulations. Mm-hmm. Are they going to come tell you someday you can't do this anymore? So we are not operating in Chicago. You know, we, we're only operating in places where nobody lives. So um, people were using management companies, these local mom and pop uh, property management companies, your, your grandma's cabin.com. I made that up, but something along those lines <laughs> and all of them were used because they just couldn't dream these. You're talking about boomers and even whatever's one older than a boomer. These people could not dream of some renting something on the internet. They just mm. wanted to buy a house in the cat, a cabin in the mountains that they could go enjoy almost like a, uh, a glorified timeshare, you know, mm, right. Gotcha. Own property. Gotcha. But they would hire these local yokel property managers to rent them out. And the property managers back then were charging 40%. Wow. 40. So these homeowners weren't making any money. That's crazy. Uh, those percentages have since gone down because of mostly because of the influx of not of, of, of us self-managers, uh, but of uh, the uh, nationwide short-term rental management companies like Evolve is only charging 10%. And these big companies nationwide, uh, the cost is a big one. But the problem with them is that they tend to, their occupancy is not high enough. It's nice to be a little hands off and you can, and again, with Evolve, you actually have to deal with your housekeeper and and things like this. So to me, that's not a property manager. I'm paying you. Why don't you handle the housekeeper? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's options. There's a lot of different options out there. I would call Evolve almost like a hybrid but uh, these 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 big nationwide companies have kind of come to everywhere, and that's for, forced the locals to charge less. But still, to this day, none of them use Airbnb. They're almost afraid of it. Uh, so we saw an opportunity there, and we took advantage of it. And uh, and it, it, our properties crushed it, absolutely destroyed it. Still, I mean, they, the, the rents go up. I mean, through COVID, it's like every month they're going up. Wow. So we kind of came in and we said, we've got smartphones. I know what Airbnb is. Let's throw this thing on Airbnb with some great pictures and see what happens. And Verbo, of course. And it just took off. Yeah. yeah that's incredible. What do you see? I mean, I see, I've seen a lot of people come through your, your group and obviously people are buying up cabins up there and everywhere else out in the Smoky Mountains. But what do you find is the biggest challenge for people that are new? I mean, you learned the hard way how to do it right. And you're very passionate about teaching people how to do it right. And there are a lot of factors there, but it's a little bit different than just owning a regular long-term rental. You got one lease, right? You give them basically control for all intents and purposes of your own property during the time they're there. Short-term rentals are are quite different. What What do you find is the biggest challenge for people that maybe they've never owned a property like that before, but are looking to getting into it? So to me, I, I don't, and again, I, I do want to express the fact that I'm not a real estate agent. That's Avery, my wife's side of the business. And yes, I did start the business with her, but it was all her. She's the brain. She was the agent. Her first year in the business, she was like top 100 in the nation as far as real estate agents. She's incredible. She's a machine. So just to be clear, I don't, I'm not a licensed real estate agent. I'm just a 
fairly well-experienced investor at this point, I guess. But I do teach her clients. That's another great thing about the short-term shop. If you purchase a property with us, we teach you how to manage it. And that's my gig. I teach a once a three-hour class. It's almost like the anti-guru because there's all these places you can pay three grand to teach you how to Airbnb. But we're included in the gig. It's really incredible. And also we are experts in our own markets, you know, so Mm -hmm. we're teaching you how to do exactly what we're already doing. It's the hair club for men. You know, I, I, I own them and I make a bunch of money on the ones I own, but I'm going to teach you how to do the same thing, you know? So, and I I totally lost my train of thought. Yeah. So I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking into it. I told this to Avery, like I'm fascinated by doing this, but I find there's, you know, there's a lot of challenges, especially when you're doing it, when you're doing it long distance. So, okay. Yes. Your actual question was, what is the difference? You know, is what's the okay. biggest challenge? Right. What's the biggest challenge? And really, to me, the hard part is deciding is this for you? Because these things will make money. We've never really had a client that was like, Man, I am not making money. It's not going to happen. Every client says, Oh my God, I'm getting way more bookings than I thought I was going to get. You know, to me, again, uh, aside from this real estate agent side of the business, for me over here on the management side, is, is this, can I do this? Mm-hmm. And I answer questions from strangers that are sleeping in my house. <laughs> Keep in mind that these strangers are on vacation. They're probably drunk. <laughs> they're, they're blowing off steam. They're having a great time. And you cannot be Debbie Downer like, hey, dude, you can't do that in my house. You know, so that's the hard part for me is like, do you think that this is a personality fit? That's much more to me. Running the numbers is not as big a deal because it will make dough. It's, can I deal with the, the questions and these Karens, for lack of a better term? Yeah. Because everybody on vacation tends to bring their Karen out. And, you know, that's what I teach everybody. I've been doing this a long time. So, dude, I got a lot of real estate at this point. I, I don't really need to put up with that kind of stuff. So I have all these systems that I put in place. Mm. Uh, I read a lot of books. And I get, I'm, I'm to the point now where I don't deal with those questions. And, of course, I've scaled so now I ha- I've been able to hire somebody to answer the questions that I am not absolutely, you know, the ones that I can't third party basically with softwares mm-hmm. because there's hundreds of short-term rental softwares that will, you know, you can automate your questions. The things that you can't automate, like personal interactions and questions about uh, whatever it may be, what co- do, do you have, what, what flavor coffee do you provide or, you know, stuff like that. Right. I, I have a, a guy that works for me that does that. And, uh, you know, that's the beauty, again, the beauty of scale. I, I had to get to a certain level of uh, income to be mm-hmm. able to afford that guy. Right. And we've got three full-timers within the organization and it's awesome. But uh, to me, that's it. Can I do this? Am I comfortable with the fact that people are drunk in my house? And to me, the distance, you mentioned distance, that doesn't matter at all. If I pull up our spreadsheets, I think last year we sold 360 six, I think last year, wow. uh, short-term rentals, single That's family crazy. properties. It is crazy. That's like one a day. You're just like check it, it out. Is. <laughs> one a day. And, and this year we're going to be closer to 500, I think. And, but my point was none of these uh, buyers are local because nobody lives where these properties are. Of course. And of course, you know, the big part of it is you hire a housekeeper. There are plenty of housekeepers out there. Good ones, obviously are going to be hard to find. It's like any business mm-hmm. it's hard to find the good people, but Again, you scale. You know, if I need a new housekeeper, I've got five properties and, and a couple of them are like pretty big and it's a lot of money to clean it every time. So it's a good gig for somebody. It's a really good gig. So, you know, good housekeepers 
uh, and, and the systems and the apps on your phone. Yona, this is perfect for you. I need to, you need to get in on this because uh, because it's for real, you know. And, yeah, it is. And also, it's cost segable, you know. If especially if you're getting <laughs> that, which I've is heard that. Important. I've heard that. I've heard that that it's uh, they're good for cost segregation. I, yes. I don't know where I saw him, I saw in one of your forums, uh, one of your posts somewhere. Someone said that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the guy he looks familiar, but I can't place him. But. Uh, Yes, cost cost seg is uh, is is an option. You know, uh, I, I've learned about that recently. Obviously, uh, in the past uh, year or so, and did a couple of them last year, and and that's a game changer. You know, yeah, it's huge. Let me sh- switch gears a little bit here because you're on the radio a lot. Obviously, you've been doing it for a long time. Let me ask you about that because you know, obviously, podcasting something I'm doing now is something a lot of people you know people doing. It's similar radio, kind of a different forum, but same. Same kind of vibe, you know. What do you uh, give me some tips on how to how to be a good radio host? Okay, uh, so you got to watch your ums and your uhs. Uh, no ums, ahs. No, uh, I got an editor to take that out anyway. So, <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, you definitely want to. Man, are you mean like being on air? Like what? Yeah, what, you what, tell me. What, what do you What do you love about being on on online? What on love about it? Well, I'm just I'm I'm super in love with rock and roll. I'm to me it's I'm talking about a product that I believe in. Mm-hmm. So that is what gets me excited about it. I will do that till the end of time, uh, even if it's a part time situation, whatever it may be. But I, I get fired up about it, and it's like with anything in life. If you're not enjoying it, you gotta go. You know. Right. But as far as being on air and presenting a quality product. I think it's the same thing. If you're not fired up about it, that's going to come across yeah. in the broadcast and people are going to be like, why am I tuned into this? This is, you know, this is kind of lame. Yeah. Um, and, and watch the ums and the ahs. Gotcha. Feel, you know, the feel the energy is coming through the radio waves. Totally. Got another uh, one I, from ACDC right now. Personally, <laughs> I like cliches, not necessarily cliches, but I like rhymes, things that rhyme when I'm on the air. Like, uh, like I'm a big fan of uh, WWF guys from back in the like Ric Flair and Macho Man. So I will watch these guys on YouTube videos with uh, with uh, uh, Mean Gene Okerlund interviews uh, where they're actually talking to another guy with a microphone and, and they, they everything That's rhymes. <laughs> so that fires me up. And, it, I, you know, and I deal with that type of music, too. You know, it's like right. super loud metal rock stuff. And so it's the kind of same same vibe there. But you know, find other things that you get inspired by. And, and, and that, that's the way I did, you know, I, I just, I just dig it, man. You know, so. That's cool. That's awesome. So I want to switch gears over here now, transition into the final four. These are four questions we ask all of our guests. First question for you, Luke, what is the worst job you ever had? Man. So I've never had like jobs. And that I think was another reason I got into real estate is, is because to me, you know, it's all about doing what you want to do. So, uh, but I have had some some doozies over the years. I, I had a paper route when I was 11 uh, and I had that for many years. But then again, you know, it's still, it's like, as long as you get that newspaper in the door by a certain time, you're good. Uh, I worked in a Mexican restaurant in New York City for like five years, which was, wow. yeah, it was a brutal gig. It was open till like five in the morning and it was a little tiny place, but I made the best of it. And the, they had a TV with, uh, like six channels and one of them was public access. And so this, this late at night, it was like, um, phone sex advertisements. Uh, and I would put that on the TV on mute and then I would blast, 
uh, rock and roll. This is in a hip, you know, cool neighborhood, uh, rock and roll neighborhood, at least back then it was. Uh, and I would blast, you know, rock and roll. And this is my, my kind of my early days of my DJing days, I guess. And so I made the best of it. But, you know, it was again, it was like seven dollars an hour. I guess any job where I had to be some somewhere on time was not good for me. These days, I'm much better at that. But as a, as a kid, as a 20s, 20, in my 30s, even uh, being on time was not very my forte. Gotcha. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's good to know. Uh, what you are pretty punctual here today for this podcast. Oh, say that. Now you know to be in the successful world, uh, the <laughs> world of being you know surrounded by wealth and happiness. That's one of the biggest things. You got to be on time. Mm, absolutely. What's uh, a book you've read? You said you're an avid reader. You read a lot. Give me one book that has given you a paradigm shift. Man, I do read a lot. I read a lot. Uh, I also have a horrible memory. So I, a lot of times I can read the whole book and not even know the title. But let me, uh, I'll give you one. Uh, how about Paradox? Because you said Paradigm. I'm going to go with Paradox of Choice. This is a fantastic book that helped me uh, big time because it, it, in the book he talks, I don't know who wrote it, but he talks about maximizers and satisfizers. And maximizers are happy with the purchase, like a purchase that they just made or with the fact that they just got married and they're happy with their wife. Uh, and then satisfizers are never satisfied. And all they do is pick and complain mm. and, and, and scrutinize themselves over the choice that they just made. And um, I've realized that uh, I'm very much a maximizer and I don't like it because my wife is very good at that. She makes a decision. The decision is done. She never thinks about it again. It's way over here. Yeah. I, Yesterday, put new countertops in a house and I got the pictures. I wasn't there. I don't, you know, who's got time, but I got pictures from the guys and they drilled four holes for this, the faucet, which I'm a one hole faucet guy. And it just hurts my brain so bad. It was my fault. I didn't think to tell them, Hey, drill me one hole. So uh, that's a good book. Paradox of choice. I'm learning. I'm doing my best to be much more of a maximizer. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, by the way, I'm oh, sorry. A satisfizer. I, I confused the two. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. One, one or the other. <laughs> the, the good one. Uh, what is a skill or talent that you would like to learn? I would like to learn to speak Spanish and I want to uh, learn to swim. Uh, I can't swim uh, and it's rather embarrassing. So at some point, my, my daughter's two and a half. She loves the, the and we live right, right next to the ocean. So that would be a good one. So those two things. I would love to I'd love to learn to speak Spanish just because it seems like everywhere I go, people speak Spanish and, mm -hmm. and I would love to be able to communicate in more than one language. And that's just the one I would pick. Yeah, it's a definitely a good one, especially location specific uh, to where you're at. So for sure. So for the final question, Lou, what does success mean to you? I touched on this briefly a minute ago. Yeah. Not having an answer to anybody. And most importantly, relationships are really big. Uh, I spent a long time not being very good at that. And, and, and just being a good husband and a good dad is, is definitely, to me, the most important part of being successful. I'm a new dad. My daughter's, my oldest is two and a half. I've got a, another that's six months. So that to me is like the end all be all. But in the business world, it's most certainly uh, not having, as a rock and roller, I think that's how, you know, I kind of got into rock and roll. This is kind of this FU attitude, not having to answer to the man and 
being able to wake up every day and do what I, what makes me happy is uh, is is my definition. I think of of success. Now, the hard part about that is that you know a lot of people don't function that well on right. their own. You know, they need the structure, and that is something you got to kind of uh, you know keep keep uh, keep an eye on. You got to get there. I mean, you can't you can't not answer to anyone if you if you have to answer, you, know, you you've done an, enough to create all that passive income and, you know, create structures that allow you to do that. So that's, that's pretty awesome. So I would venture to say you're, you're free to do what you want any old time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like it. Awesome. Luke, where can our listeners find you or reach out to you? Man, I'm, uh, I, I'm, not really that, you know, like I'm a dad now, but shorttermshop.com is the, is the, uh, the organization, you know, uh, we're one of the biggest real estate teams in the, in the world. And, um, and, and we're helping people create generational wealth. That's our goal. The rent is, you know, that's one thing, but the asset and the whole process and teaching the people how to do it. That's our, that's our main thing. So shorttermshop.com. And, uh, and yeah, I think that's about it. All right. And he's on, he's on bigger pockets. He's pretty active. Oh yeah. I'm all over bigger. I love BP. Huge bigger pockets fans. I'm, uh, the, actually the short term rental forum wasn't created until I think 2016. So I'm one of the first guys that we used to hang, you know, hang, hang, hanging out on there for since the beginning. You search Um, anything for short term rentals on bigger pockets. You'll find, you'll come across. I probably have responded. And I will say that, uh, I apologize in advance for the fact that my, my terrible jokes generally don't translate to internet (laughs) forums. I was, I was thinking to comment on that, but, uh, but it's true. It's funny because, you know, in writing in forums that, personality doesn't come across no i just i sound like a jerk but <laughs> if you talk to me in real life you, you realize that i'm really just trying to be funny all the time and it usually just kind of sometimes doesn't work you know? <laughs> it's a, it's an art <laughs> it's a, yeah uh, i'm much better on a microphone than i am on a keyboard 100 yeah <laughs> I, I agree about that all right awesome luke it's been a tremendous pleasure thank you again so much for joining me taking the time today Oh, we love you, man. You're one of the coolest dudes in the business. And, uh, and, and seriously, you know, it's a, always a pleasure. Any room that Yona is in is, is the right room to be in. <laughs> Appreciate that. And to all our listeners, remember the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I wanna hear from you guys. So I wanna hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.